World's Finest Podcast, Episode 13. Michael David Sims, and with me is James Doe. Hello, hello. What's new with you, James? Oh, not much. Got a raise, so... Hey! <laughs> yeah, things... I've actually, thank you. I've actually had a relatively good week, all things considered. Uh, um, and, uh... Let, let me just say, OMG, Sonic, Smash Brothers Brawl, OMG. <laughs> yeah, I somehow knew that would come up. Uh-huh. The, uh, I, I will freely admit that... The video that you know showed that he was going to be in the game did look pretty cool. Him just turning into the spinball form and running right over Mario—that was pretty neat. That was pretty neat. You know, I'm a Mario guy. You know, I'm not a big fan of Sonic, but I can, you know, credit where credit is due. I can do that. So, well, it's just—it's huge news for in really in video game history. Oh, absolutely. Because you've got two icons that are officially going to be going against each other in a, in a fighting game. So, yeah, and it's a shame though that their first game together is going to be that. Olympics, Olympics game. Yeah. It's like, really? You want to put these two icons together for the first time in an Olympic game? Really? That seems kind of lame. I understand they're doing that to sell the game. Because who, who, I mean, who, seriously, who buys Olympics based video games? I don't know. Like three people. You know, <laughs> it, it's the parents of the people who are in the game that buys those, buys those games. So, yeah, it's, it seems a little weird to put, uh, Sonic and Mario together in that, not this huge fighting game first. So yeah, it's kind of underwhelming, but oh well. Yeah. Now, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Sell me on the game, not the Olympics one, the Smash Brothers game, because you know I'm not a fan of the Smash Brothers series. I just cannot get into that series. So sell me and people like me on it. Why should we buy that game? Sonic and Mario being in the game, fighting against each other for the very first time ever. Aside, forget that. Why should we buy this game? Well, it's it's hard for me to say it because it, uh, it's a different. It's not a pure fighting game. It's much. It's more of a party game for you know groups of people to just sit around and just you know have fun with. Uh, but if you you know if it's if it's not your thing, then it's not your thing. I you know I can't I can't just say oh my you know, oh my god Solid Snake Sonic <laughs> Mario, which you know in and of itself are are you know amazing because you got third you've got third party characters in a Nintendo game. Um, Mega Man, please. Capcom? Capcom? Yes. Mega Man? Yes, Mega Man needs to be in I, that. I'd buy the game and not even play it. i just buy it, just to <laughs> show Nintendo and Capcom that I want, you know, that, that I'm happy that the character's in the game. Because <laughs> the thing with me is, is when I play fighting games, you know, I want fighting games, you know, with a, a health meter... You know, it gets you, you knock the guy out. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Mortal Kombat series, so I'm not going to say you kill the guy, but you knock him out. You fight in the second round. You know, it's best out of two, it's best out of a, uh, you know, best two or three, three yeah. balls. That's that's those are the fighting games I like. Like I'm, a, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Oh yeah, Jen me too. And I love that arcade game. That's just Marvel versus game. Capcom Two is my favorite 2D fighter ever. Yeah, so I mean, those are the types of games I like. You know, like I said, you just knock the guy out. I'm not even saying kill the guy. 
okay? And mm-hmm. now this game, you know, it, it's so different because you're just supposed to knock them off a platform, but then they come bouncing back or something. I, well, I don't I mean, understand how to play the game, and I've tried. I've tried so hard, and I just don't get it. Well, it's a different kind of game engine. You know, you just have to beat them into submission until you, you've beaten them enough, uh, so much that they can't, they can't possibly, like, you know, scrape their way back onto the platform or anything. Okay. So, but, uh... Yeah, I don't know, because it, it looks fun. Because, as you said, it's, it's, I understand that it's a party game. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if I had, you know, friends that I hung around with and didn't speak to on the internets, <laughs> I could actually <laughs> play this game. But it's like, you know, even though Jen likes the Marvel vs. Capcom games, she doesn't play too many video games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's not really going to get into that game with me. So I end up playing it against the computer, and I just don't have any fun playing the, the Smash Brothers games. They're really boring to me. Well, apparently um, they're they're adding, like, an adventure mode in this game where, you, like, every character has a different, I don't know, like, just quest. Is that to, sort of and, like, like what they like, Soul Calibur? Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, I think that's what they're doing with that new cool. Soul Calibur game. Okay. Uh... But yeah, it's and it'll be. A, I'm sure it's going to be a way you can unlock new characters and maps and stuff on the game. So now, is this going to have online play or no? Are they still oh, yeah. chintzing out on that? Oh, it's it's going to have online play. Okay, okay. And with Nintendo, if it you did, never know. Well, I know, I know, right? But uh, if they didn't have online play with this game, there would be a revolt mm-hmm. <laughs> of epic proportions. Yeah. So you see the PC, it, PS3 sales shoot to the roof. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's. I told my uh, my mom that I want a Wii for Christmas, and uh, I said, "Good luck finding one." <laughs> but my birthday comes six days after Christmas, so uh, I could I could get a Wii and I could get the game and <laughs> maybe some nunchucks or something. <laughs> Does the game come out this year? I thought it got bumped to '08. It, it got bumped to February. Okay, so that's what I thought. I'll, I'll have to buy the game, but I've got all kinds of store credit at GameStop. <laughs> so that's what I'll be getting the game with. I don't know about the system. I'll sell you mine. I haven't touched mine in like forever. <laughs> we? Yeah. I will. Um, I will buy it from you. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I'm waiting for some more games that interest me to come out. Yeah. You know, I got it at the time because you know it was in, it was the least you know it was least an expensive console. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have four hundred dollars for the three hundred and sixty. I didn't have five or six hundred for the PS three. Yeah. Was it five or six? I don't remember. It was six at first. Six? Okay. Yeah, I just didn't have that cash. I'm like, well, I'm a Nintendo fan at heart, so I'll get this system. And, you know, I love the Wii Sports games. Mm-hmm. I bought the Zelda game that came out with it. Haven't touched it yet, though. Um, I know people are, like, doing a spit take right now. But <laughs> the reason is, when it comes to Zelda games like that, the 3D Zelda games, you have to be willing and able to invest a lot of time into those games, not as with any role, as with any role playing game, right? It's not quite on on the level of Final Fantasy, you know, like eighty hours or anything like that. But it's still, you know, a forty plus hour game, and I just don't have the time to sit down in front of a TV and play a video game for that long. But when I do have that time, I will get into that game finally. Plus, you know, I, I heard there were a lot of glitches in that game, like save point glitches. Yeah, I heard about like, those too. I know there's one famous one where a bridge gets destroyed, and if you save in that one spot and then turn the game off, Link is teleported back 
to this like the opposite side of the bridge and the bridge is still gone so he's stuck he can't cross and i don't know if they ever offered a download or a patch or something that would fix that but i don't want to screw up i don't want to get 20 hours into a game and have something like that happen and then i gotta start all over again oh yeah you know, so that's another thing that's kind of turned me off from it. You know, though speaking of Zelda, I know we're, we we got a podcast about the DCAU and we're talking about video games here. But speaking <laughs> about Zelda, I just bought uh, the Phantom Hourglass mm-hmm. for the DS. That's a fun game. It really is because um, it's in the style of the uh, Wind Waker. Yeah, which, which I could ne- I could never get into, but that's just me. So I thought Wind Wind Waker is seriously probably my. I'm going to say second favorite Zelda game. I'm going to put it behind the original, because the original was just so epic. God, yes. I mean, I could sit down right now, and, you know, I've got the original on the, uh, I bought the uh, Game Boy Advance cartridge of it, Mm -hmm. you know, for like 20 bucks or whatever at Best Buy. I could sit down right now and play that and, you know, think I'm like six or seven years old again, you know, when I first experienced it. That's how cool that game is. It just brings all those memories flooding back. Um, so yeah, that one I'll place first, but Wind Waker, I seriously would play second. It was just so much fun. I thought the visual style fit the game. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they went with the more mature looking link for the Wii, you know, this time around, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't pissed off that they went with that cartoony cell shaded style for that game. Is that what turned you off? Was it the graphics? Yeah. It turned off a lot of people. That, I really just couldn't get into it. I tried to play it once the... Uh, Wind Waker, and I just like, eh, no, not for me. It, 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 yeah, after about, if you give the game a good 30 to 60 minutes, you'll be totally immersed, I'm telling you. Give it another, if, if you have the time, you know, and the system, give it another <laughs> shot, because it, it is a fun game. I mean, it's, it, it just all comes together so well. It's funny, because the sorry, only, I'm sorry, the, uh, the only reason I ever owned a GameCube was Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I tried to play Wind Waker, but just couldn't. Yeah, and the Phantom Hourglass is in that style, so I'm very happy. I mean, my only gripe with Hourglass so far is that it's completely controlled through the stylus. You don't use the D-pad to control Link. It's the stylus. Those games, those are hard. And that's hard because, you know, okay, my hands aren't huge, but, you know, they're still big hands, so when I have to get Link to go to the left side of the screen, my hand's blocking the entire screen, so I can't see what Link's doing. And that's that's kind of irksome, to not be able to see what your character is doing. But there's other features that are neat, like if you can trace the path for the boomerang to follow, using the bow and arrow has never been better. You literally just uh, cock the arrow, and then you point at what you want to shoot, and it hits them 100% of the time. Unless they happen to, like, strafe out of the way. You know, I, I was never good uh-huh. with the bow and arrow in the other games, but in this one, I've only missed one target so far. You know, so it, it has its it has its pluses, but I still wish you could use the D-pad to move Link and the stylus to use his weapons. But yeah. they don't even, the worst part is, is that they don't even give you the option to change the control scheme. You know how a lot of games do that? Mm-hmm. They don't do it here. It's just like you have to use the stylus and that's it. So... Mm. But, you know, I mean, so far I'd still give it a very good rating, but whatever. Anyway, should we get on to uh, emails? Should we, should we actually yeah. talk about the DC Animated Universe? Yeah, imagine that. What a concept. <laughs> Let's get into emails. Okay, do you want to Do you want to read some? Uh, Sure. Okay, do you have them in front of you? Yeah, I do. Okay, um, the way you paused there for a second, I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, let's see, I've got... Uh, the First email from Chris. This is actually an email he sent uh, sent us a couple weeks ago, but we just uh, we 
didn't get around to reading. Yeah, we completely um, forgot. In fact, James, if I remember, you you remembered uh, like after we were done recording, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> but anyway, we didn't want to just let it go by the wayside here. So, uh, but Chris writes in. This was uh, uh, feedback from episode ten. And he writes, Hey guys, I'm finally caught up to the point that I'm listening to an episode before the next one comes out. I was just listening to episode 10 and wanted to comment on Bullock's reaction in The Man Who Killed Batman. Look at season 2 of Justice League in Twilight. Great episode, by the way. Batman makes a comment about, The next time I let Superman be in charge, just hit me real hard. In Tabula Rasa, uh, we find out that he carries around kryptonite all all the time just in case. But in part one of Hereafter, when Batman can't prove that Superman is still alive, he makes a, that great speech at the memorial statue about how he had nothing but respect for Superman and wished he could have said something while he was still alive. I wonder if that's not what Bullock was feeling, too. These, uh, the, their mannerisms and approaches could not be more different. They'll never be close friends, but there's that understanding that they want the same things. They're both on the same side. But because they're both tough guys, and because the surface dif- differences are so obvious they very rarely acknowledge that they have so much in common. What I read into Bullock's reaction is that he never really acknowledges the respect that he has for what Batman does, even as he violently disagrees with how Batman does it. Under that boorish, blunt, tough guy exterior, Bullock is really an honest man. And, of course, under that, he's a boorish, blunt, tough guy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a very good point. Yeah, Yeah. I totally agree with what he says there. Mm -hmm. That's a great parallel. Uh, I I hadn't even thought about... uh, uh, hereafter, uh, which is the episode where Superman is supposedly killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, thinking back on it, you know, just seeing Batman stand there in front of Superman's memorial, talking about how he how he had nothing but respect for him, I thought, you know, that's really what they should have done with the man who killed Batman and Bullock, instead of having him take his hat off and, you know, be close to tears. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, what do you think? No, I agree with that completely. Absolutely. It uh, it puts that scene in a new perspective. Um, I still wish they would have done it a little better, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it makes more sense now. Much more sense. So, uh, do you want to read the next one from Chris? Uh, ooh, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, okay, then I'll read it. Shoot. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Sorry. let's see. He says, Aloha, guys. Granted, this is a bit late, but just wanted to chime in with one of our contributions for the Demon's Quest. With one of my... Chime in with one of my contributions for the Demon's Quest. Sorry for butchering that. You guys uh, discussed at length why Batman refused Rachel Ghoul's offer to join him, and I wanted to offer a few uh, explanations that you didn't touch upon, although some of them may be a bit contradictory. Okay, let's see. He says, first is what Batman knows about Raish. Granted, he thought the demon's head was a myth, but he has heard something about Raish. And on a side note, I think the organization he heads is the same one that... Uh, What's this? Kurain Cur- worked for? Curare. Curare worked for in Batman Beyond. Is that true? You- I might be, because Curare uh, was like the number one assassin in some kind of guild. I can't remember what the name of it was. It might be the League of Assassins. Oh, huh. Okay. Because, uh, I, I mean, when we get to Batman Beyond, I'm sure I've said this before, a lot of it's going to be new to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's either I haven't seen it in a long time, or I've just never actually saw it. So I'm really excited to get to that to that series. But anyways, uh, Chris continues. Still, even without knowing the plan, he knows that Raish's heads up 
uh, a group of assassins, terrorists, etc. This was hit upon in Batman Begins, too. This is not what Batman's about. He's not known for compromising with criminals. That stupid five-minute head start at the end of jail, you destroyer notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, is it called Destroyer? I thought it was called... The yeah, last, it's... The last episode, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's oh, Destroyer. For some mm-hmm. reason, I thought it was something a little different. Uh, we even see some of this in A Better World, where it seemed, to me at least, that he never agreed with the Justice Lord. Batman just went along with his overly controlling, force the world to be what I think it should be agendas in order to play mind games with his doppelganger. And of course, uh, this episode also gave an example of someone willfully altering the heart, willful, willfully altering the heartbeat. But as Batman said to Flash after that, "Who could anticipate you?" What's he talking about? Um, remember when Flash and all the Justice Leaguers are tied up in the in the other in the Justice Lord's dimension, and Batman, the Justice Lord Batman, is walking around and like checking on each one of them, checking their their algorithms and all that stuff. Okay. He walks up to Flash's holding cell, and Flash is struggling. He's, you know, he's, you know, rapidly vibrating his his wrists, trying to get free. And the Batman comes and, and looks at him, doesn't say a word, and Flash goes, "What are you looking at?" So, Batman, the Justice Lord Batman, you know, talks. About, you'll you'll appreciate this someday. And he walks off, and Flash, uh, meanwhile. Uh, speeds up his heart rate so fast that it looks like he flatlines mm. and the uh, justice lord batman is just like freaking out because he doesn't you know he doesn't want th- this flash to die like theirs did mm-hmm. so he runs back and he he uh, you know he unchains flash and flash like uh, takes like punches him about 10 or 12 times mm-hmm. in a span of about 2 seconds and knocks him out puts him into the in and into the uh the holding cell so he's, he's talking about where flash uh out, outthought uh, Batman, <laughs> okay, cool. basically. Cool. Okay, and then he continues, as a side note, if you guys think I'm chiming in now, just wait till you get to the Justice League and we start to see the Flash. In, ad- <laughs> in addition to what he knows about Raish, the other reason for Batman to decline an alliance is what he doesn't know. Michael, that's me, made the point that Batman didn't know all of Raish's plan, and that's why he should have accepted the offer, which I stand firm on. Uh, he continues, I would argue that that's why he didn't accept the offer. Batman isn't alive because he's got a power ring, can break light speed, is more powerful than a locomotive, etc. He's alive because he always tries to know what's going on and has a plan in place. He knows some rumors about race that would give him pause, but there was a lot he didn't know and he doesn't know about. He can't control, and he can't control, sorry. And Batman is all about the control. Looking at what I know about Batman from the comics, which isn't much, and especially his character in the show, I think it's perfectly in character not to commit himself. Once again, keep up the good work. I'm finding all sorts of new things to enjoy about the series and can't wait to hear the rest. Chris, so James, what do you say to that? Uh, I'm inclined to agree. Okay. Because I, as you, you and I both remember, I was... I'm in the boat that he shouldn't have joined the the uh, Raish's clan either, mm-hmm. and so uh, this is kind of just putting another uh, you know point of view behind what I feel. Um, but I agree that you know Batman is always about thinking five six steps ahead, like a chess player. Always has to know what's going on. Always has to be firmly in control of the situation. So, and he didn't know everything about Raish, so you know. It stands to reason he wouldn't just up and join this uh, clandestine group without knowing everything about them. Well, I, if I remember correctly, I think what I said was that it would have been more powerful if Batman joined Raish and then 
before the you know two part episode ended, he figured out what the plan was, went against his his newfound partner, and went back to being Batman, thus giving up the Empire, his life with Talia, the future he could have had, and then it would have recommitted him to the cause the the of being Batman. You see what I'm saying there? Right, that, I remember that. that that's kind of like not to not to jump the gun here, but that's kind of like what happens in uh, Mask of the Phantasm. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. has a choice. He makes a choice, but you know, there's this whole thing of fate versus you know desire. You know, so mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to that in the next episode. But you 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 know what I'm talking about there, James? Oh yeah. So I I think it just would have been a little more powerful if he joined him for a little while and then had to go back to being Batman at the end. That's all I'm saying. Well, it could have worked. Yep. But, oh, well, it's was, it was still, a, you know, an excellent episode regardless. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, the next one is from our friend Nicholas, and this is in regards to the Joker's makeup in uh, the upcoming The Dark Knight movie. And in uh, a recent episode, was it episode 11 or 12, James? Do you remember which one it was? I he, he sent a question asking what we thought about the Joker's makeup being makeup and not bleach skin. Oh, right. And yeah. I said I wasn't entirely sure that it wasn't, you know, bleach skin. Mm-hmm. And he sent in a link to a picture where uh, the Joker is, uh, he's holding Rachel, 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 sorry, against the wall, and he's got a knife to her. And if you look at his neckline, you can see uh, Caucasian skin and not makeup. So oh. it's not white, it's actually Caucasian white, not powder white. But mm. the reason I'm still not 100% sold on them saying it's makeup is that that could have been just something, that could have been a test shot that they used, that they leaked onto the internet. Promo. Right. That could have been, you know, anything. In in post-production, they could use, you know, computer tools to erase, you know, any powder that brushed off on his collar and fill in the Caucasian spots with the quote-unquote bleached skin. So again, until we get 100% confirmation that it is powder and not bleached skin that's going to be in the movie... I can't, I really can't give an opinion. I really can't. But still, I, I well, I keep saying I'm not going to give an opinion, and then I do. I mean, <laughs> if they go with the makeup, this is what I'll say. This will be the final thing I say on this, I think. If they go with the makeup, as long as it's done well, there's an explanation for him doing that, I don't think I'll care. If he just throws the makeup on because he's the Joker and he's supposed to have white skin, then I might take issue with it. But I still think they're going to go with bleached skin. I think that image is just a promo shot, or they're going to alter it for the film. But we'll see. So. And like I said, I have faith in Nolan and his crew. Mm. So then our last email, James, do you have this one? Do you want to read this one? The one from Thomas? Yes. Yes, I'll read that one. Uh, this is from Thomas, I believe it's pronounced Deha. Um, says, he writes in and says, Hey there, I've been following the World's Finest Podcast since episode one. Nice. Thank you very much. As a DCAU fan, my partner and I in my podcast and I have talked about doing an overview of Bruce Tim's work for a long while, I've been finding it a great listen. I have three questions. Well, two questions and a solution to a much-discussed problem and about the future of the podcast. Number one, first, the solution to the Teen Titans question. I have always thought Teen Titans is part of the DCAU continuity, if you count Static Shock as canon. And apparently, according to your statement in episode 12, you do. In the episode where Static goes to the Batman Beyond universe, Static asks Batman, where's Robin? To which Batman replies, he's got something he's doing on his own. This to me indicates that the Titans are happening concurrently with this episode. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, this, we we're def static is absolutely in continuity, and that's that's been shown at least three or four times over because of the crossovers with the Justice League. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're going to cover Titans. It's just one yeah. of those things when we get there, we know that some people are going to take issue with it because some people don't like Titans simply based on the animation. Yeah, because it's too anime influenced, and it's like you know, I was one of those people at first. I, you know, I, I didn't want to get into the show because of the look, you know. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But then you, James, I believe it was you, got me into it just by posting things about it at the Earth 2 forums. And I was like, okay, well, i got to watch this. And I started watching it. I really dug it. And much like, you know, to bring it back to our video game conversation, much, about, much like Wind Waker, you know, if you can get over your bias against the animation, the graphical style, you're going to find a really good cartoon in the form of Teen Titans. And, uh, you know, so even if it's not in canon, like I said, you're just, you're going to enjoy it. But anyways, getting back to what I was saying, we, I just know we're going to get a little flack for covering it because it's so loosely in continuity. Well, yeah, we'll have to take it and take it in stride because it's, we're going to cover it and (laughs) we're going to have a great time doing it. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's such a great cartoon. So, uh, why don't you continue, if you don't mind? Anyway, uh, number two. Now, the questions. Do you think the Batman counts as in continuity? As, you know, the new one that came out a couple of years ago. I always assumed it wasn't until this season's Superman 2-parter. You see, the character designs for all the Superman characters, Supes, Lois, Luthor, etc., are up-to-dated but very faithful to the characters in the original Superman cartoons, with the exception of Mercy, who's given a top-to-bottom redesign and a new fighting style that makes her look like... Uh, Gramatan Cleric from Equilibrium. <laughs> Furthermore, they retained all the voice talents, George Newbern, Dana Delaney, Clancy Brown, from the JLU incarnations of the characters. It's almost like the producers are trying to insist that the Batman is part of the DCAU, which saddens me because I simply dislike the show on so many levels. Uh, no, no, it is not It is not part of the DCAU, and that, that's that's been confirmed by pretty much everybody. Well, besides the fact that, you know... Tim, you know, Tim and his crew have confirmed it. The producers of the Batman have confirmed it. There's one very telling clue as to how it's not in continuity. Batgirl was Batman's partner before Robin, which is the complete opposite of what happens in BTAS. Yeah. In The Batman, he has Batgirl as a partner before the Graysons perished. So that just doesn't jive. So absolutely it is out of continuity. Well, not to mention that they change origins of so many of the villains. Mr. Freeze is just like a, a basically a common thief. Yeah, yeah he's a thug. And uh, who else? I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Clayface. Uh, is, oh, God, was a, was a, that. Oh, good Lord. He was a cop, at, like a friend of Ellen Yin and Bruce, and he becomes Clayface because the Joker... me when they did Joker... That. Oh, it was, it was a sad episode. But and, and it, was, it was very much... Not to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but it's very much, much the killing joke. Mm-hmm. The Joker is going through trying to prove, and he uses the line that one bad day can turn someone into him. And, oof. I mean, when they did that, I was kind of pissed because I liked that character. So, yeah, and and of course the animation style and uh, you know they just you know it's just there's so many things that are different from it's it's almost like an ultimate end series where they change everything around. Mm-hmm. So oh. now, what are your feelings about that cartoon? Because 
most people share um, Thomas's opinion that it's, they just do not like it, they hate it. But what, what what are your feelings? It's with me. It's hit or miss. I some episodes I I really really like, mm. like the Riddlers. Uh, first episode. Oh, you're just a Riddler of, fanboy. Come on. Well, well, Robert. Well, Robert England does his voice. That's true. So. Yeah. That was really a very creepy episode, and it was really, really well done. I think. Is um, that the one where they're trapped in the shipping container underwater, or was that a different uh, one? That no, I don't think that's it. Not off the top of my head. It's been like uh, six months since I've seen any the Batman episode, okay. so Good. I can't remember off the top of my head. This it's the one where Ellen Yin is the one. You know, quote unquote, solving the Riddler's riddles with you know Batman is that this it's really where Batman goes goes along with Yin and look I'll help you out here, not in, you know not in so many words, but he he directly helps Ellen Yin in the episode, even though they they had been for, uh, unfortunately at odds throughout the the whole series up to that point. But uh, like you know, some episodes I can't stand, like where anything Mister Freeze in that in that series I can't stand. Uh, I don't mind the animation style. I, I, I don't. It's and it's not because it's like anime style. It's just I, I kind of dig uh, the the redesigns on things. Uh, the Batmobile, the costume. It's yeah, I it's like got, that Batmobile it's, it's, a lot. It's got yeah, it's got a cool kind of feel to it. That I I just kind of dig. It's not something I can really explain. Mm. But you know, it like I said, it's I can't say oh I love this. I like the series. I love the series. I hate it. It's like. I don't know. I can't really f- say I I definitively like the series when it's so hit or miss. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I I own the DVDs, um, but you know I only really like uh, some of the episodes because as you mm-hmm. said, so like the Mister Freeze ones are just it's like that's not Mister Freeze because what was he? No, he was a diamond thief that yeah. got in an accident caused by Batman and he ends up going into cryogenic stasis and he comes out as a guy calling himself Mr. Freeze or something? That's his origin, isn't it? And oddly enough, he's voiced by Clancy Brown, who is Lex Luthor. <laughs> and it's like, okay, they, they could have given him a much better origin. I understand that they were trying to set it apart from the Mr. Freeze from Batman the Animated Series. I appreciate that. I respect that. But to just make him a common thug when his origin from BTAS is so loved seemed kind of lazy. I mean, they could have done something much, much better than they did. I'm not saying they should have mirrored what BTAS did, which they shouldn't have, but just to make uh, him a diamond thief was kind of lame. But yeah, well, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Penguin and Joker are apparently expert martial artists, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, so, so yeah, there, there's, there's some issues that, you know, like you, James, I take with the series, but overall, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean... You know, Alfred has done really well in the in the series too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think I think they he's not he's hardly ever the father figure in in this in the series. But you know we still get the sarcastic Alfred that we all know and love. Yeah, and I don't mind the kind of jokey Bruce. You know, some people took issue with the fact that Bruce seems a little happier than he mm-hmm. does in other incarnations. But it's like it's a different interpretation of Batman. And I've said this before. That's the awesome thing about Batman is that you can set him in any time period in almost any kind of story, and it will work. Very few characters are like that, but Batman is like that. So if you want to you know, make him a little cheerier, make him a little younger in his career, it works. There's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I mean, plus when it comes to the 
animation. It was designed by, if my memory serves, by Jeff Matsuda, who uh, was a comic book artist, and I always kind of liked his style. So when I found out he was going to be doing the animation for this, I kind of took a little glee on that. So, you know, not the best show in the world, but I think it's enjoyable if you can get past the "oh my god, it's not BTAS" attitude. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, Thomas writes number three. Finally, does Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes slash Legion of Superheroes count as con- count in continuity? Most of the production staff is the same as the production staff of other DCAU series. And it can be easily slipped into continuity. The only thing that makes me sus- uh, makes me suspect it that it might not be canon is that the version of the Legion of Superheroes isn't quite the same as the one depicted in Superman in the JLU episode. Although the JLU episode discrepancy can be explained away as happening several years after the Legion series. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? No, they're not in continuity. It's it's been because I haven't I haven't seen any of those episodes. So I have no idea. If it is or not. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of the Legion cartoons. The one I've seen, the, the few I've seen were actually pretty good, though. But uh, they're definitely not in continuity. The producers of the show have said that it's not. Um, so there you go. And the producers are coming out saying it's not in continuity. They're, you know, you, you got to go, go with them. Yeah. Um, you know, my only gripe with that cartoon is that I wished it was in continuity. I wish deeply, deeply wish that they would have, you know, made it Supergirl in the Legion of Superheroes. Yes. And picked up exactly where, uh, ah, shit, what was the name of that episode? That was uh, Far From Home, I think. Yeah, that's it, Far From Home. I wish they just would have picked up from there and moved forward, because that would have been really good. Now, I understand what they were doing with this cartoon, Superboy, of course, it's actually called Superman in the Legion of Superheroes, not Superboy. And there's legal reasons behind that, which I'll get to in a minute. But Superboy was always a huge part of the Legion of Superheroes. So they obviously wanted to go back and play with that, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of history. But I think it would have been better if they did keep it in continuity with Supergirl. But anyways, getting back to what I was saying about Superboy. um, Yeah, the show was, in case you guys don't know, the show was originally going to be called Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. But the problem is uh, there's a legal dispute over who owns Superboy. Uh, the creator, uh, I forget which one it is, it's one of the guys who created Superman, and I honestly can't remember which fellow it is, but his family has been in a legal battle with DC, with Time Warner, for years now, claiming that they own the character. I don't know all of the details behind it. I don't know how they can be claiming that they own young Clark Kent, but not old Clark Kent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like Clark Kent, young or old, still grew up in Smallville, his name's Clark Kent. He has the same friends. He wears the S. It's the same costume. So I don't understand why they're claiming ownership of one and not the other, but I'm sure their lawyer and the judge know all know the ins and outs of it. Um, but well, that's... as it stands right now, sorry, James, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but no, go, go ahead. as it stands right now, it last I heard, the family was actually winning. So that's the rumor. The rumor is that's why they killed Connell, the clone of Superman, in the actual DC comic books, because he was going around as Superboy. So it's like DC's trying to wipe out anything with the name Superboy attached to it. So when it came time to do this cartoon, they were like, okay, it was too late to change everything and get rid of Superman, or Superboy, pardon me. So they just changed it to Superman and Legion of Superheroes, and he's referred to as Young Superman in the cartoon. This is Superman when he's like 
18. He's no longer 16. <laughs> he's suddenly 18. So he's young <laughs> Superman. So he can still look boyish, but they can get away with calling him Superman. So uh, the, the, the family in this lawsuit, they're also trying to get uh, royalties from Smallville. Because even though Clark is never called Superboy in that cartoon... It's, you know, he's wearing red and blue all the time. It's Clark Kent in Smallville on the farm with Lana and Pete and Lex. And you see what I'm saying there? That's, yeah. that's Superboy. So they're trying to get a ton of money from that show, too. So, yeah, you're really seeing Superboy wiped out of DC continuity because of it. Because of it. So there's a little Superboy legal <laughs> battle history lesson for the day. Well, that's why we didn't get to see any Batman villains in the last uh, two seasons of Justice League is because of the pissing contest that was going on between uh, Time Warner and uh, whoever else was on the other side of that claiming that, you know, it, oh, if you have Batman in Justice League, it'll hurt the Batman series or whatever whatever the, it was, the it was, uh, argument was. It was basically Time Warner fighting himself, I think. I think it was like the producers of the DCAU shows you know, represented by Time Warner, arguing with the uh, Warner Brothers people who are doing the movies and the other cartoons, battling over which villains they got to use where, is really what it comes down to. And it's like, how can the company be fighting itself? As long as it's explained that the characters are different, what's it matter? You know, the average person can say, okay, the Joker's over here, and he's over here, and they're clearly different, because this Joker looks like Bob Marley, and this one looks like the dapper Joker we've always known. They're two different characters, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I hate the fact that they weren't allowed to use certain characters in those later seasons because of that. It's so stupid. I know, because, I mean, imagine what they could have done in the, in the with the Legion of Doom and Joker being there. I mean, the whole fifth, uh, the fifth season of Justice League is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. But you throw, you know, you throw the Joker in there with Lex Luthor. Good God, that would have been awesome. Yep. So, anyway, uh, Thomas finishes up. Oh, and in case you're wondering, it was pointed out sometime in the '80s. I want to say in Who's Who that Talia is a little over a hundred years old and has been in the Lazarus Pit. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'll keep listening. The problem with what he's talking about there with Talia, because remember, I asked how old she was and if she'd ever been in a pit. That's why he's mentioning that. The problem with that is that Talia actually has two contradicting origins. One claims that Raish met her mother at Woodstock. The other claims that he met her mother, I believe, in a long time before that. I almost wanted to say the 1940s, but I think it was even before that. So clearly, there's these two different origins. There may be more origins for her out there. So he's obviously referencing a different one that claims she was born, you know, in the 19th century. So I don't know. That's that's the problem with comic books. You know, everybody wants to tell their stories, and editors don't do their fact-checking to say, oh, well, we've actually told a similar story, so you can't tell yours. So there you go. But anyways, I want to mention that Thomas, uh, as he said earlier, he's the host of a podcast. It's called Better in the Dark. It's a really fun podcast. It's just two guys shooting the shit about movies, kind of like we do here with these DCAU cartoons. That's mm-hmm. what they do with movies. Um, I downloaded, I want to say it was episode 13? I think it was 13, because they were talking about uh, overlooked movies that everybody should go, should like go rent right now. And mm-hmm. one of the ones on their list was Dark City. And I'm a huge fan of Dark City. I think it is a terribly underrated movie. So when I saw that that was one of the movies they were going to be talking about, I'm like, okay, i, I got to download this thing. And it was just a lot of fun. Just two average guys going on about their love of cinema. 
So I highly, highly, highly recommend you get Better in the Dark. I do not believe it's available through iTunes, so here is the page where you can get it from. It's http colon slash slash betterinthedark.podomatic.com. I want to repeat that one more time. http colon slash slash betterinthedark.podomatic. Dot com. In case you didn't get a chance to write that down, in case you're on the train or driving in your car, I will try to remember to post this in the feedback thread at the earth2.net forums. First up today would be His Silicon Soul, and this is basically a sequel to Heart of Steel, the episode with Hardak and Rossum and Randa and all the crazy robots. In, in this one, it turns out that before Hardak was destroyed, it created one more robot. This being like a super-duper prototype. And it just happened to be of Batman. And of course, because Hardak figured out that Batman was Bruce Wayne when Randa broke into the Batcave, this, this robot uh, is very confused. It, it thinks that it's really Bruce Wayne. It believes that Bruce Wayne's consciousness has been uh, uh, implanted into this robot body. And it goes throughout the whole episode, a good portion of the episode, I should say, thinking that and trying to uncover these clues as to how this happened. And once the truth has been revealed to it, that this really, that it really is just a robot, um, it's kind of forced, there's a little piece of hard act that's still in it, um, to try to bring back hard act and take over the world again with these duplicates. And uh, as Batman does, he has to save the day. Right? That pretty much sums this one up, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Uh, thoughts on this one? I do not like this episode. <laughs> I I really, I have never liked this episode. And I'm not even going to say that it's a bad episode. I just don't enjoy it. Uh, it's just one of those rare episodes that I just really couldn't care less about. I'd, I'd skip over it when I watch the DVDs. Um... Like I said, I'm not saying it's bad necessarily, but it's boring. And the end of the episode, what good might have been in the in the first 20 minutes of the episode, is ruined in the last two uh, with the ultra emo <laughs> robot. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that yeah. later. Um, one thing I did like though, the beginning, the very beginning of the episode, uh, the uh, the thugs are ransacking the uh, the warehouse where all this. Uh, confiscated equipment is, I thought that would have been a really cool tactic for the real Batman to use. Just bust out of a yeah. box. Yeah, just out of nowhere, just like boom, boom, boom. And then they're all they're like, oh my god, this is not happening. I thought that would have been really cool if the real Batman had ever used that. Yeah, I mean, in, in that Batman episode. is always lurking in the shadows, of course, but it would be interesting from time to time if he did just, did just burst out of boxes and other things that he could have been hiding in. I mean, it'd be like Solid Snake in his cardboard box, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Batman in the Wooden Crate. <laughs> There's a miniseries, um, if there ever was one. Um, mm-hmm. But while we're speaking of the way this episode begins, it has a very, like, what-the-fuck kind of opening. Because, again, mm-hmm. Batman is breaking out a crate, nonsensically. He's just in this crate? What? And then he gets <laughs> shot, like... I don't know, five, six times in the stomach. And then, Another very right, risky moment. And then when he looks down and he sees all his robotic innards, at that moment you're like, 
okay, what's going on? Even okay, especially if you didn't see Heart of Steel and you didn't recognize the Heart X symbol on the crate. At this point, you're like, why is Batman a robot? What is going on? It's it's a very confusing in a good way opening sequence because it gets you into the mindset of uh, uh, the Batman robot, as I like to call him, Robatman. It gets you mm-hmm. into his mindset because <laughs> I call him Robo Batman, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, because he's trying to figure out what's going on with him. Is he a robot? Was he? Was his brain? Was his consciousness transplanted into a cybernetic body? What's going on? And you know that moment right there where he's shot and his innards are hanging out really sets the tone for that. I mean, that's it's just a really cool moment, I think. Well, yeah, that's another thing I really liked about this episode is uh, it was a real another one of those really risky. Uh, I guess it's just another one of those risks that the creators of the show took, showing somebody being shot mm-hmm. on screen, even though it's revealed to be a robot, but still. Um, and I think. I think the the animation was really good too. Oh yeah, uh, especially in the first half. Not maybe not so much the second half, but definitely the first half because it, I think it was the same animation uh, company that did uh, the Demon's Quest. I think it is because it's it's just really really similar. Mm. So, yeah, I I did like. I think just the beginning of the episode is my is my favorite part of this episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not, not much. I don't like much after that, but but still. Um, what about you? Thoughts? I don't mind this episode. As a kid, I enjoyed it because I liked the fact that they were calling back to a previous episode. Mm-hmm. I liked that sense of continuity. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not claiming it's a great episode. I'm not claiming it's one I can sit down and watch just to have fun. But it's one I don't mind seeing. If it's on, I'm not going to change the channel. Um, I think the uh, the story is serviceable. And there's little things that are in this episode that I think make it slightly better than average. And one of those things is the fact that the Batcave has intruder protocols. That Alfred mm-hmm. knows if anybody's in that Batcave, he knows, he knows what to do. And he tries it here with this robot Batman. He tries to gas him. And I thought that was neat because we've never seen that before. Anytime we've seen Alfred, hell, earlier in this episode, when he thinks there's an, an intruder in the mansion, he's got a golf club in his hand. But when he realizes things have gone, like, really crazy, he tries gas in this thing, and we see other buttons there. Now, the only other one we can see says light, or lights, but you know you could see some other buttons there, you just can't see the text. So you know there's other uh, security measures that this cave has. So I appreciate that, that we get to see that not only is uh, Batman willing to protect his cave at almost any cost, but that Alfred knows how to utilize him, that, that Batman realizes that at some point his lair could come under fire, and exactly. he wants to make sure that his loved ones, that being Dick and Alfred, know what to do in case of an emergency. So I think that's really cool. Um... What I also like about this one is, uh, you know, we can call him an emo, an emo robot because he really does go kind of super emo in this one. But, you know, if we're going to accept that Batman's that way, and if we're going to accept that this robot is pretty much just a duplicate of Batman, it makes sense in terms of the character. It seems weird that a robot's doing it, 
but it makes sense if he's supposed to be this super prototype and uh, is is this duplicate of Batman. It does, but it was like your problem with uh, how is it the episode the where Batman goes just I am the uber, night uber emo I am the night thank you. It's, I think my it's my problem uh, is the same with your problem with that episode. It's just God, it's over the top. It's just so so over the top. It's like wah, wah! Yeah. it's just over and over and over again. I, I, they really just went too far. It is, it. and I mean, and him and, smashing the computer, you know, you know, and it exploding in his face, and basically killing himself doing it. It is over the top, but there's really only two options. Okay, there's three options if Batman were to ever kill someone. One is suicide. You can't show Batman, a robot or not, committing suicide. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, At least not intentionally. The smashing the computer you can claim was unintentional. The second option is to have him go, no pun intended, batshit insane, which is what we saw here. The third Mm -hmm. option is for him to just crawl up into a, or curl up into a ball and then just be admitted to Arkham. And you can't have that. So the only option they could go with was him just going nutty. And again, is it over the top? Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. They wrote themselves into a corner, and that really was the only way out of it. At least that's my opinion. One thing I I was wondering about, how did Robo-Batman get a grappling hook? Yeah, I mean, I can buy the... I can buy the suit, uh-huh. and I can buy the, the the robot person inside the suit. Uh, but where did the equipment yeah, come from? Yeah, I mean, from? he's got a batarang. You know, you know, it's found on one of the crooks. And Commissioner Gordon gives it to Batman. He's like, Gordon's like, one of yours? And Batman says something like, it would appear so. So on close inspection, you know, Batman can't tell the difference between this batarang and one of his own. So it's a really good mm-hmm. copy. You know, so, yeah, where did Hardak get the specs for... Well, no, there you go. Randa broke into the back to the back computer. She would have oh, got yeah. the specs for all his weapons there, so there you go. Talking, I was, I was going to agree true. with you, but then talking it through, I figured out <laughs> how they did it. It's, you, yeah. that's, that's a good, problem, good though. Catch. That's a problem. If you have to think about it, you know, okay, you don't want exposition... But you also don't want to have to think too hard about it. You have to find that fine line between the two. And in this case, you have to think about it. And this is an episode you absolutely have to see Heart of Steel mm-hmm. first before you watch. You cannot watch this episode if you haven't seen Heart of Steel, or nothing is going to make any sense. So, you know, that, and that's not through any fault of their own. It's just how, how the story progressed. No, and, and that's... But, uh, it's it's a good thing because again this is again setting up continuity. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see that later on when we get to Superman and the Justice League, and from there, continuity plays a huge part in the Justice League. So it's always nice mm-hmm. to see them playing with it here and setting up. You know, their their world building is what they're doing. So I appreciate that. But again, it does. It, you know, it, it, if you have a new viewer. This is someone's first episode. Or even if it's not their first episode and they haven't seen Heart of Steel before, they're not going to know what's going on. They're going to go, what's this symbol that the robot keeps seeing? You know, mm-hmm. and we do get a little exposition, but it comes much later. But if you've seen Heart of Steel, you get what's going on almost right away. So, yeah. I guess that's the only way I can end that is with, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, forgot where I was going. I was going somewhere, but y'all see my <laughs> point anyways. Well... 
another thing I did like about this episode is uh, the bat- robot Batman throwing a forklift at the mm-hmm. Batman. That's just yeah. funny. Yeah, because I, I, I... <laughs> for- forklifts equal ratings. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! If you're not a wrestling fan, you're not going to get that. Um, no, but oh my god! It's the randomness. If <laughs> which I coined. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, was it you that coined that? I I created the fr- the phrase. Yes. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I knew I knew it was someone at the oratory, but I didn't know it was you. So hey, awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's little things that the role Batman does in this episode that I like. One is. Batman tries to... He does something with his grappling gun. I don't know if he's trying to kick him or something, but the robot Batman uses the real Batman's momentum against him. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Throwing the forklift at him, once he realizes what's going on, and that he has this this, ultra strength, that was cool too, seeing him utilize it. I like the fact that we got to see Batman actually save Rossum. So, you know, halfway through the episode, we get to see that even though this thing is a robot, it still has Batman's uh, mentality in terms of saving anybody, everybody, at any cost. Because mm-hmm. he could have died. I mean, he as the greenhouse came down, it, it he didn't move. It just toppled right on top of him, all that glass and steel. You know, and that's something Batman would do. He would mm-hmm. save someone at the cost of his own life. Alfred says that at the end. So I liked little things like that. I also liked the way Ro-Batman saved Rossum. He dove into the greenhouse, and he didn't run out with him under his arm. He just chucked him mm-hmm. right out, again, utilizing that strength he had, which is something Batman would do if he had that strength. If Batman you know, had Superman's strength, he would use it to throw people as gently as he could out of harm's way. So to see a robot version of him do that uh, was quite interesting. Because Rossum really does just get thrown. It's not like he's shoved. I mean, he is thrown, like, a good 20, 25 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You know, so it was little things like that that I think put this episode above average for me and make it watchable. Again, not necessarily in that fun way, but in that not-turn-the-channel kind of way. Yeah, and I, I, like I said earlier, I don't think it's a bad episode. It's just not one I particularly enjoy. But I do agree. I do agree with you that with uh, the mentality part there. That that uh, the robot recognizing somebody's in danger and oh, you know, oh shit, I gotta save him because I'm Batman. Mm-hmm. So that did make sense, and you know, I I applaud it for that. Yeah. But and I, I said something about this earlier, but I have to bring it up again. Why do punched or shot or smashed computers always explode? <laughs> And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, why don't they just melt or something? Right. Why don't they just stop working? Why does the screen just fritz out? It irks the hell out of me. And it's, this isn't a complaint against this episode, this series. It's a complaint against, like, almost every form of entertainment. Anytime there's a computer and it needs to be stopped, you smash it and it blows up. Well, <laughs> I could take a hammer to my computer right now and it's not going to blow up. It's just going to stop working. <laughs> It's, it's it might so, it might spark a little bit. Yeah, but it's not going to blow up in my face and send me, you know, acro- halfway across a cave and into the back of a car. It's not <laughs> going to do it. How about the Japanese arsenal in the bottom of the bat cave next to the chemistry set? <laughs> Boy, yeah, that that was random, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I could see him having the arsenal upstairs at, in the original Tim Burton Batman movie. Mm-hmm. We see that. We see all when... Uh, 
uh, shoot, what was the photographer's name? I can't remember his it name. It was uh, Knox. Knox and Vale, yeah. when they are roaming around the mansion, they find that exact same thing. They were probably paying homage to that, but it being in the cave? It was in some weird corner just that in Batman that, that we've never seen before, that Batman rarely uses. And when, as you said, it, it's just sitting there with some chemistry set, just all random-like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's really all I have to say about this episode. I just wanted to end it on a very random note. <laughs> and our next episode is Fire from Olympus. In this episode, uh, Maxi Zeus, who is the head of a... Uh, is he a sh- it's a shipping firm, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, he's a head of a shipping firm, and basically he has uh, a messiah complex. He thinks he is the embodiment of the Greek god Zeus, L- quite literally. He he has everything everything in his in the top of his skyscraper is just nonstop Greek mythology statues. Like the statues are harpies uh, with with machine guns in them, yeah. and uh, he you know, he has a thunderbolt staff. Thing uh, he had every everything about him is I am Zeus. You will bow down before me, or I will kill you. So basically, he steals this incredibly powerful electron bla- blaster cannon of, of I can't remember what the exact term they use is, um, and he's going to just basically use it to fire it all over Gotham unless they unless the entire city bows down to him, and. So Batman, of course, is not going to stand for this. Or I guess I should say Hades is not going to stand for this. And he he goes to stop him. So that's really about it. Um, I, I hate this episode, and I know you do too. But one thing I, really, I want to mention first is at the very beginning of the episode, they did something really cool. The name of the store, uh, Zorba's, is clearly, it's clearly a reference to the uh, Greek novel Zorba the Greek, which was made into uh, a movie starring Anthony Quinn and Alan Bates that won uh, three Academy Awards back in 1964. Um, and this is cool because uh, Anthony Quinn went on to play Zeus on Hercules' The Legendary Journeys. Huh. So I thought that was kind of a cool little uh, circle yeah. they did there. Um, and I liked, I liked the... There was a, a, some surprising accuracy to Greek mythology, and you know me, I'm the history buff, and I love, I love mythology, I love uh, all kinds of social sciences. And Maxi Zeus calling his, you know, quote-unquote his son uh, Hercules Heracles is actually accurate. It's not, his name wasn't Hercules, that was just the romanization of it. So I thought that was kind of cool that they actually used the, the historically, uh, the myth- mythologically accurate name there. Um, but really, uh, other than that, this episode is just crap. <laughs> <laughs> you agreed, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this episode is just... <laughs> Garbage? Yeah, yeah, see, the thing is, though, my score doesn't reflect that. <laughs> it honestly doesn't, but, like, okay, I was trying to, going into this episode, I, 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 I knew I was going to rate it low. So what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to set my feelings for this episode aside, mm-hmm. and I'm going to watch this as if it's the very first time I've ever seen this episode. Which is exactly what I did. And, and I had to. In doing so, I was able to find a lot of good things to say about this episode. 
There's a lot of bad things to say. But I found a whole hell of a lot to, not necessarily like, but at least to praise. Yeah, um, or just just say, oh, you know, that was kind of cool. Right, like, the animation is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this especially Maxi Zeus. He looks really good. He doesn't, his design doesn't change from beginning to end. It's very solid in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the story they were trying to tell... They got their point across. It, it wasn't like a rambling plot. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. knew from start to finish, we see what the story is. We get what the story is. The, uh, the villain's um, plot makes sense in its own regard, if you understand in what I mean. In and of itself, it does. Right. I mean, in the greater sense, it doesn't. But then, if you look at it that way, nothing about this cartoon <laughs> or any cartoon, or Batman in general makes sense. But if you look at it in and of itself, in this episode, it makes sense. Um, He's not after a ransom. He just wants people to bow down. That's it. So that was also a refreshing change. It wasn't like, bow down before me, oh, and give me $100 million, or I'm going to blast your city. It's bow down before your god Zeus, who sits upon high on Mount Olympus, or Mm -hmm. I'll blast your city. That's his plan. There's, There's no money. So I appreciated that. Um, I appreciated that we got a brand new villain. We've never seen this guy before. I'm 99% sure he is from the comics. Yes, he is. Okay, I thought so. Um, and I think, you know, introducing new characters, new villains, new heroes, like they did with Zatanna, you know, a couple episodes ago, those are good things to do. Was the execution... Of introducing this new villain, great. No, that that kind of faltered, and I'm glad we never saw this guy again. <laughs> well, he's a he's a weak villain. That's just that's the that's just an inherent problem that they they couldn't get around. Right, but there are good, like I said, there are good things to say about this episode. But mm-hmm. there's there's so many bad things to say too. But along the you know continuing along the, the lines of good things to say, Zeus seeing Batman as Hades, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's, it's, it's like, the first time I saw this, I was like, wow, that's really cool. He's spouting off. I mean, he knows who's coming up the second he hears the bat plane. And he's already like, oh, who else would it be but Lord Hades ascending from the deep? You know, it's like, that's, mm-hmm. that's a really cool moment, I thought. And then... It's, it's like, who else could scale Mount Olympus right, but no, my, bro- my brother? Right, no mortal man could do that, nor would they even dare. So it must be Hades. I mean, that's neat. So, mm-hmm. But then, at the end of the episode, we get that again. When he's in Arkham, and now he's seeing all the villains. And he's thinking they're gods, and part of Greek mythology. Except you know, the, the problem with that is he calls them their Roman names, but... You know, regardless. I, the point the point was made, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, okay. You know, Maxi Zeus, he's, you can assume maybe he's not bright, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, he's got some problems, which are pretty clear. <laughs> um, so him using Roman names, I think, are the, the least of his worries. <laughs> but that, that shot of the Joker just standing there, all creepy. Again, I've said it before. The, the best use of the Joker is when he's saying nothing. It's kind of like in um, Joker's Favor where he just turns real slowly and looks at Charlie mm-hmm. when they're both in the cars, and it's like, wow, that's the Joker right there. You look at him, you see him, and he sees you, and you've made eye contact, you're dead. Yeah, And you bye know bye. it. 
And just his face is meant to scare the crap out of you. And they do it here, where he's just standing there, all calm, not saying anything, looking all weird. And then he presses his hand up against the glass. Like, oh my god, that is a very scary moment. And then, of course, they then they tone it down by having him press his face in the glass, too, and then licking it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so fun, and I thought it added a bit of uh, lightheartedness to the insanity, literally the insanity of what was happening in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the ending after that, after Joker licks the glass, is very tragic. I mean, here's this guy out of his gourd saying he's finally home in Arkham. I mean, this is a guy who is literally at the top of the world, had anything he wanted, had a beautiful woman at his side, had a, a rich empire... You know, he could have had anything he wanted, and he lost it all because he couldn't keep his marbles intact. Mm -hmm. And now he's in Arkham, the one place you don't want to be, and he sees that at home. And that's sad. That makes it tragic, you know. Um, Not as tragic as Two-Face and, you know. Freeze, freeze, right. right. And I think that's what hurts this episode is... Had they gone into the origin of Zeus, had we seen where he was coming from and what turned him into this uh, guy with a god complex, I think it would have been so much better. So much better. Because we could understand where he was coming from. But we don't get it. We're just thrown into the mix. And we're just right off the bat supposed to accept this guy who thinks he's a god. That's a very hard thing to accept. Yeah, and he comes across as the most annoying villain since Dr. Milo, mm-hmm. basically. Um, it, and that, that's really, I think that's really all the good you can say about it, though. Oh, yeah, that pretty, that's it, pretty much where the good it, things are. Except that, you know, the informant's name being Stavros. That was kind of cool, because <laughs> that's, that's a very common Greek name. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought that was kind of cool. But other than that, let's see. Um, uh, Zeus, he should be dead. So uh, he fell like ten stories, and he was electrocuted. Yeah. Uh, you, you're dead. But he's E-E-A-D. Zeus. Don't you understand? He's Zeus. <laughs> he is dead. <laughs> Much like Batman's dead in an episode we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, but uh-huh. we'll get to that. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start with with all the crap, though. I, name something, and we'll go from there. Um, really? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's. The, there's other than the, other than the dialogue that comes out of uh, Maxi Zeus's mouth about Lord Hades and all that stuff, the, the dialogue is crap. You know, the, the script is terrible. But like, I think that's more of a product of the villain being weak than anything else. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but, there's there's big bad things with this episode, and there's small bad things with this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, again, it's like where do you start? You know. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Bat- Batman has a grenade again. Again, and this time it's attached to his belt. He doesn't pull it off of some schlub. I mean, yeah. he, he, he's just got a grenade. So you have to assume that after Shadow of the Bat, he took an extra grenade and just said, hey, I could use this, and just attached it to his ass somewhere. Um, <laughs> I mean, sort of like with, uh, what do you call it, with the Demon's Quest, you know, we were wondering, where do we start? Because it was so daunting. Because it's mm-hmm. so, such a big, epic episode. With this one, there's... It's, it's the like, exact opposite, but on the same level. Right. It's the opposite side of the same coin type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, I can look at my notes, and I see all these things I wrote down, but which one do I mention first? <laughs> right. 
I mean, I just threw the grenade out there just because I, that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as I said before, I think we should have got Zeus's origin. He isn't a tortured. He isn't tortured enough. Basically, we mm-hmm. don't understand where he's coming from. Um, a minor thing, but it's still got to be said nonetheless. When we're in the elevator with, uh, I think, what's her name, Cleo? Mm-hmm. It's, there's only twelve floors, but he's in a fucking skyscraper. <laughs> it's like, okay, how did they mess that one up? Yeah. Um, Could they not just put ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty? Right. I instead mean, of one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's just this episode. It's like, it's, it's just there. Yeah. And it's weird. It's just confusing. Right, and like I said, it's I'm conflicted because my like the score I gave this one is is based on as if this was the first time I saw this one, mm-hmm. you know. But having seen this one a couple of times, and having had the nitpicks built up over the years, I'm wanting to rag on it more than I think I should. I don't know. I'm confused when it comes to this one. No, I feel I exactly really the same am. way. I feel exactly the same way because I don't know. I don't know what I want to say. Um, like where does the it's like where does the crap start, mm-hmm. and, and where does it end? Because at the the end the end of the episode, like you said, is is pretty is pretty tragic. Mm-hmm. So that's that was an okay you know that was an okay scene, but you know it's like I think I think the death where he sh- or where he should have died just pissed me off more than anything. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so incredibly nonsensical that a guy would fall that far. Onto concrete. He doesn't. He didn't fall into a pool like when Batman dropped the guy from the Batwing into the pool. Right. He fell ten, ten or more stories onto concrete onto after face. being electrocuted. And he lands yeah. on his face. Yeah, after being just blitzed by electricity. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, you you're dead. Yeah. You should not. And you know he didn't come back. So maybe. <laughs> yeah, he goes. Maybe he he died in our hearts. Yeah, yeah, in Arkham. He, after after they shut the door, he just collapses. Like yeah. his, his brain just goes, "No, you're dead." Thump, and he's it's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um, I I really think that had this episode used another villain, it could have been a decent episode. It could have been a lot better than it was. But as you said, as you've said a couple of times now, because they used a weaker villain. It just doesn't quite work. And I think my biggest gripe with this one, and I think this sets the stage for the whole episode, is I simply cannot buy that someone would get uh, this mentally broken. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's a guy who's running this this shipping empire. I, I said it before. He's at the top of the world. He has anything he wants. Yet all these people around him... They don't say anything to him. Well, Cleo does. She says things from time to time, but it's after he's already gone. He's lost mentally. I'm talking along the way as he was going from Maxi Zeus to Zeus. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to see that transition. I just can't buy that anyone would be this far gone. I mean, are there people in the world who are mentally damaged? Yes, it happens. Does it happen to celebrities? Yes. What's his face with the uh, uh, Hughes? Howard Hughes. Mm-hmm. Look at him. That dude was a complete wreck. But did he dress up like a Greek god? No, that's taking it one step further. And the second he starts doing that, I have trouble believing that the people around him would, one, stick around, 
to not do everything in their power to get him help. And then the bigger issue is how does he keep his business running? He has to go to meetings. If I'm going to invest in this guy's business, if I'm going to partner up with him, and he shows up to the meeting in a toga, you know, with, with some tiara thing going on with a lightning bolt in his hand and a whatever, you know, if he shows up in that Zeus gimmick, I'm walking out of that boardroom. So mm-hmm. I don't buy that his company survives. I think the best way I can put that all that is that they half-assed everything. Everything you just you just mentioned, they they uh, tackled it, but only in like little three-second unimportant moments. Cleo says, "Look, you got to stop doing this. Your, the firm is in big trouble. All these embezzlement charges." And but that was that's the only mention they make of it. Mm-hmm. Zeus, Mac, uh, Maximilian Zeus, or, you know Zeus. He becomes Maximilian Zeus for a couple seconds. He's like, "Oh, what what am I doing?" And then he goes right back into Zeus right. again, and it's never mentioned again. They just half-assed everything. Right. This 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 character. Now, okay, it's it, what I'm going to say is going to be contradictory, but he needed an origin story to make this episode believable. But I don't think the character deserved an origin story. They never even should have used this character. I mean, they this episode never should have been made. Right. If they wanted to introduce a new Batman villain, they could have brought in Black Mask. Yes. I mean, oh my God, that would have been great. I mean, now, now, granted, when when uh, this episode was being produced, I, Black Mask wasn't the character that he is now in the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks to Under the Hood and some stories that led up to Under the Hood. You know, we got to see them build him into this really badass villain. But nonetheless, badass or not, they could have introduced him and made him a badass on the show. They do that with a lot of villains. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, look, Mister Freeze was a joke until this cartoon. It took this cartoon to make Mr. Freeze into a serious Batman villain. So th- they could have attempted it with you know, anybody else. Why they wanted to bring in this guy who thinks he's a Greek god is beyond me. I just, I just do not get it at all. Maybe it goes to the whole thing where Batman's villains all have some sort of psychosis. Or psycho, mm-hmm. psychosis, psychosis. Well, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're all insane is what it boils down to. Um well, except the penguin, he's really not. Yeah. He just has the bird thing going on. But and, and Catwoman, but she's not technically a villain. Right? So. Yeah, she's a rogue. And oh, okay, there's Croc. So okay, not all of them are insane, <laughs> but the majority. If you really sat down and looked at all of Batman's villains, you would see the, that the majority of them have some sort of mental disorder, and that's mm-hmm. why there is is an Arkham Asylum. There has to be. They just can't all go to jail. Well. What the hell was I getting at? Um, um, th- okay, basically, maybe- there's. So I understand why they introduced Zeus because they wanted to continue on with that whole thing of Batman's villains being crazy. But this was just not the right one to use because it just it just doesn't make sense at all. You just you can't wrap your head around it. And when you go into a show like this, you have to suspend your disbelief, but you can only suspend it so much. Mm-hmm. And when they, Before your brain just says no. Right, and that's what happens here. Your brain looks at this for a few minutes, and it just says no. And, you know, it's like, I think the only villain they could have brought on the show that would have been worse would have been Crazy Quilt. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a worse villain that they could have brought onto this this show. Next would be Read My Lips, which is the very first episode with Scarface. 
and in this one, there's a new mob in town. It's a very small gang, and they're pulling off these perfect crimes. No one knows how they're doing it at all, but they're regardless, they're getting away with them. And Batman gets one small clue when uh, an amateur uh, home videographer turns in a video to the police. He happened to catch these crooks escaping. And on that video, Batman sees that one of the crooks has a tattoo. He's able to identify the tattoo as uh, that uh, belonging to a criminal called Rhino. Very big man. I mean, he's huge. Mm-hmm. He just towers over Batman. And you don't see it that often in characters that aren't superpowered. I mean, Clayface towers over Batman, but he's superpowered, you know? Mm-hmm. But this dude is just freaking huge. So anyways, Batman's able to track down Rhino, and from there he's able to track down the rest of the gang. And what Batman sees is that this gang is being led by a puppet. <laughs> and, you know, from there, Batman basically has to stop the gang, he has to figure out what their next scheme is, and he has to bring it down from the inside. So, uh, yeah, that sums yeah. it up. Yeah. But, my God, it's such a fun episode. Oh, it's beyond fun. Uh, it, yeah, it really, that's not, that's, that's not doing it justice. It's, it, this episode is another one of those that I can just sit down and watch over and over and over again and not get tired of. The, the animation, the voice acting, the lip syncing, everything is just pulled off great. Um, I mean, th- th- it's got some of the best dialogue, I think, in, in any episode we've seen yet. That's what I was literally just about to say. As I was kind of stumbling as you were continuing <laughs> on, that I was, I was about to say that there are some lines in this one that are barn on the funniest lines in, uh, that we've seen so far, and mm-hmm. I would say that we're going to, to, to see. I mean, just right off the top of my head, the first one that comes to mind is at the end, when Batman is throwing his voice, making it sound like the ventriloquist is mouthing off to Scarface, mm-hmm. and the ventriloquist is like, I didn't say that, my lips didn't move. And Scarface is like, you're a ventriloquist! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my god, that is so awesome, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't me, boss. Yeah. Of course it wasn't you, Rhino, you're too stupid to be a traitor. Yeah. Oh, thanks, boss. Oh my god, I'm try- I wrote down some more. Oh, like... You know, when Scarface offers Batman, he's got him tied up. He's going he's gonna to kill him. And, you know, Batman's like, well, I know who the traitor is. So you better not kill me. And Scarface is like, well, oh, what's he say? I forget, I forget what If you don't talk, you're going to get the ultimate massage. Right, yeah. And, then, and Batman says, well, I, I don't know. He's like, what, what if I, yeah, what if I don't tell you? Well, you're going to get the ultimate massage. And what if I do? Then maybe you just get run over by a truck. <laughs> It's like, that's an awesome line. Either way, you're going to die, like, but maybe you're just going to get run over by a truck. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And he's like, tempting, but no. Yeah. Just the, all oh, the sarcasm is just fantastic. This is the most sarcastic we have ever seen Batman. And he, he's sarcastic to everybody. Like, Rhino in the alley. <laughs> that that was a great exchange, that, that wasn't it? That whole thing, yeah. He's like, you must have confused me for the police. I want information, and I'm going to get it any way I can. Any way I damn well please. You know, not in so many words, but yeah. uh, the music, the oh, the lounge, the lounge jazz music, the the again, the 1940s kind of gangster jazz music. Just all it, it's the, over the entire episode, and except as opposed to one point, like in the the previous episode where we had it. This is just all over the place, and it's just brilliant music. Yeah, it fits, fits perfectly. everything that's going on. I mean, this is really about that kind of, you know, 1920s-style gangsters, you know, mm-hmm. that those... those f- wearing, 
wearing spats. Right, you know? yeah, that's, that's what this episode is supposed to invoke, and the animation does it, the characters do, the way Scarface speaks it brings that to the forefront, and the music just brings it all together. It, the music honestly uh, is what makes this episode the, the, the shining gem that it is, because it'd still be a very fine episode without that music, but that music is just the icing on the cake. And Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the sprinkles and the candle, too. It's just, it adds so much to this episode. Yeah. George, uh, George uh, DeZunza, who did the voice of both Ventriloquist and Scarface, uh, wow, what can I say? Just phenomenal job. I didn't realize it was uh, one guy that did both. Because mm-hmm. they're so different. Yeah. It, I remember him from uh, the early seasons of Law and & Order. Uh, and I... And I when I went back and watched this, I didn't realize he was who did the voice, and I saw that. I was like, "Oh wow, that is so cool!" Who is he in those uh, early episodes? He was one of the. He was uh, uh, Briscoe's, or not Briscoe's partner, uh, Logan's first partner, I think, or his second partner. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah it was. He was in the second season. Okay. I think that was his only season. Because his first partner was Paul Sorvino. Right, and then Zunza was his second partner, and then Briscoe came along. What did uh, his second partner look like? I don't remember. Uh, kind of pudgy cheeks, uh, you know, Italian background. Um, hmm, his face isn't coming to mind. I remember, because I remember Paul Sorvino's character dying, mm-hmm. and I remember him getting a new partner, and then I remember Briscoe coming on, but I don't remember who that second partner was. Yeah. <laughs> but that's him, huh? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And yeah, it was really cool that he did both, because that means he was talking to himself in the recording. Mm-hmm. It's extremely hard to go one voice and then go to a completely different voice just lightning quick like that back and forth and it was just brilliantly done um i have a question though uh and this is just a hypothetical um if scarface's mouth movements were off and they weren't matching the uh, work, you know, the lip syncing could we complain about lip syncing <laughs> just you know just just a question. Just a hypothetical. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, Didn't think so. maybe if the ventriloquist is that damn good, <laughs> you know, because in the... And they mentioned this on the commentary, but I knew this regardless. In the actual comic, the whole joke is that the ventriloquist is a very bad ventriloquist. Mm-hmm. He, he can't... When he's doing Scarface, he can't pronounce uh, B's. Right, exactly. So it's Gatman this, Gatman that. And Roggin. Yeah, I mean, he just, he can't do it. But here they obviously, they wanted to make him a really great ventriloquist that could throw his voice from one room to another while under, you know, the the, the Batman's fear. I mean, Batman's Mm -hmm. holding him, and he's pissing his pants, he's sweating like crazy, but he's still able to throw his voice very expertly, you know? So Mm -hmm. they obviously changed that up, and I thought that was... uh, a very good call on their part. I think it worked better yeah. for the episode because if this episode was supposed to be this episode, supposed to be, uh, episode even though it's funny, it's supposed to be taken very seriously. You know what I'm saying yeah. there? Yeah, and exactly. If they added in Scarface and the Ventriloquist the way they are in the comics, it wouldn't have worked. This episode no. wouldn't have worked at all because you couldn't take Scarface seriously at all. And that's the thing with this episode. You're supposed to. It's like we know that the Ventriloquist is the one that's behind this, but the characters are played so differently and so well, you actually start to believe, like Rhino does, that Scarface <laughs> really is the boss, that he is controlling this. You know, there's... And the, the only time you really get the sense, 
at least for me, the only time I kind of break away from that, and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Is when Scarface tries to kill the ventriloquist at the end. And his goons say, whoa, 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 boss, if we ventilate the ventriloquist, then you're, you know, he doesn't even finish the line. Scarface just says, if you want something done right... I'm you surrounded gotta, by traitors! Right, I gotta, you gotta do it yourself. And he goes to shoot him. And at that moment, you know, you're kind of pulled back in, and you're like, whoa, whoa yeah, these... The, the, this is one guy. But yeah, the mm-hmm. acting is so solid and the writing is so great that you start, at least I do, start to believe that they're two different characters. I thought it was kind of funny that the the, the goons had the wherewithal to realize, hey, wait a minute, uh, if we kill him, uh, you're, uh, you know, because yeah. <laughs> they're so stupid. <laughs> but then they but they do realize that. Yeah, I mean, it's like... So I guess they got the priorities straight. Right, it's like, well, Rhino buys it. And then you have the one with the buck teeth. He's new, and he questions it, if you remember earlier on. Mm-hmm. so But there's that other guy. I think, that, I think he's got red hair or brown hair or something. He's the one that questions it. We're not sure where he stands on if he believes that Scarface is really running the show. Rhino basically has to, you know... Convince them that, that Scarface is the boss. He's like, you know, he's re- Scarface is really a genius. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's it's he's such a dullard, but it's so funny. Yeah, he's endearing in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, he's you know committing all these crimes and he's trying to kill Batman, but he's still endearing because mm-hmm. there's something about he's loyal to a fault, right? And there's something special about that. There really is. I mean, he's almost like uh, Lenny. From, you know, of mice and men. No. In mm-hmm. that regard, I mean, if you look at it of mice and men, George isn't that nice to him, but Lenny's no, very not. loyal to him. And I mean, George does love Lenny; he really does. But he's not exactly the nicest guy to him, and that's kind of what's going on here, where Scarface is an ass, but you got Rhino being loyal to him nonetheless and buying into the into the. <laughs> I don't even want to call it a gimmick because it's not a gimmick. It's just he's just crazy. The ventriloquist yeah. is, you know, the Mad Hatter. He might be crazy, but that's all a gimmick. This, it's just the ventriloquist is just totally out of his mind, mm-hmm. more so than well, anybody else. Well, he's a schizo, so I mean, you can't help but be out of your yeah. mind, really. Now, in that regard, I do have a question, and that is, can I mean he's switching back and forth between personalities, conversing? Is mm-hmm. it possible for people with multiple personality disorder? Yeah, it is. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that was something I, I, because I didn't know the answer to, I couldn't, you know, look at it. I couldn't say, okay, this hurts the episode because I didn't know the answer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if I knew that it couldn't be done, then I would say, oh, that's a point they lose. But I, I couldn't yeah. mark it against the episode because I didn't know. But Schizophrenics that are really just direly sick, the... The split personalities don't uh, they they don't know what the other one is doing at all. It's complete. It's like one's in one room, one's in another room, and if there's a th- sometimes there's even a third personality. The, the other one's in another room. It, none of them know what the other is doing. But but the conversing between the two, I mean, you've got the ventriloquist. Saying, well, it's like they think that you know, it's like they're two different people just having a conversation. I, I'm, I know it. I know you're. I understand why you're confused oh. here. I'm just trying to think of think of the way to explain it, because it 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 it's, it has been documented. Okay. You know a lot. So okay. I just can't. I just can't think of the way to to 
explain it because it's it is it, I know it's very confusing. Yeah, because I just I just didn't know if that was realistic. And again, I know we have to you know set those things aside. Sometimes we just have to accept what's going on. But mm-hmm. it's if you know they mention it by name. They say this guy has multiple personality disorder syndrome. I think is what they call it. Yeah, they kind of they kind of made up their own little name right. for it. You know, it's, it's, yeah, but you know but, what he yeah, has, the, nonetheless. And exactly. If you're gonna bring that sort of reality into the episode, then you have to bring with it the um, the scientific yeah, facts. Yeah, exactly. And so I was kind of confused as to if that was legit or not. Sometimes the dominant personality in in a schizophrenic can uh, know what the the weaker personality is doing. I, you know, that I think that's I think that's the case. So maybe that's what they were going for. But, you know, as good as this episode is, we do have some gripes, don't we? Oh, of course. Batman is dead. (laughs) He died. Yeah, I'll explain what happened to anybody that hasn't seen this. The the goons, they decide that uh, they are going to uh, rob a uh, a freighter. Uh, it's, It's just filled with platinum. And they are going to, well, steal this, of course. And Batman, he, he, he tries to stop them, and Rhino, during this fight, he pushes over this humongous stack. Okay, Rhino is very clearly at least eight feet tall, and I'm not exaggerating the slightest. He is drawn to be about eight feet tall. If you have to assume, I mean, if you know Batman's like, like 6'2", 6'3", possibly 6'4", and Rhino's just like at least a head and a half taller than him. So putting him in the seven and a half, in the seven and a half, eight foot range, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so he, when they're on this boat, he pushes over this stack of platinum that's even taller than Rhino. Taller than him. So this thing is like 10, fo- 10 feet tall. He knocks this whole thing over right onto Batman. Crushes him. Utterly destroys him. Turns him into pulp. He's a stain in a cloak. That's it. He's a goner. But somehow he's alive without a bruise. And they just tie him up after that. Above these mannequin hands, and those he's bo- able to yeah, fight. Those... He's able to fight his his way out from there. What were you saying? Mm-hmm. What were you saying a second ago? I was going to say those bar. They're in bar form, and, the, mm-hmm. and even Rhino was having a little bit of difficulty picking them up. Yeah, when they handed it to, handed the bars to him, you know, you could tell he was having an easier time than the other guys. But he wasn't. He still needed both hands to lift the bars. It wasn't like he had uh, one bar in each hand and he was throwing them into the boat. Right. He had, he pushed a pallet of hundreds of these bars on top of Batman. Mm-hmm. Nothing but his hand was left sticking out of there. Mm-hmm. He he's dead. Yeah, yeah. And if you so. if you listen to the commentary, they admit that that's a big mistake on their part. They mm-hmm. flat out say that yes, Batman's dead. And in fact, that wasn't even the original way he was supposed to get caught. Originally, they gassed him, but they went with the platinum thing because. You know, it, it, they just wanted to show off Rhino's strength. That was it. Probably, yeah. And because they knew there would be a fight later on between Batman and Rhino, and they, if you are going to see Batman get the better of this guy, you, you need to establish how strong he is, that he's not just big, that he's super strong. So when Batman does beat him after Rhino's pushed over the stack, that shows you, wow, what a wonderful fighter Batman is. Unfortunately, in the process of showing that, you kill Batman. <laughs> and like I said, they openly admit that it was uh-huh. a mistake and you just kind of have to look past it. Was it so hard to have him just 
you know, leap out of the way of it and then have Rhino crush him against a wall. Yeah, Rhino just grabs him by the shoulder and just thrusts him into a wall. That's it. Or yeah, or, or, yeah, or just like, you know, battering rams and crushes him into the wall. Right, that's Rhino's And getting, knocks him unconscious. He's exactly. goring. He's pretty much trying to gore everybody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, Batman dodges the stack. Rhino grabs him and throws him into a wall. Or he just runs right into him, spears him, just something. Mm-hmm. And he's knocked out. It's it's that it's that it was that simple. It's an extra seven seconds mm-hmm. wouldn't have hurt. Mm-hmm. And then of course there is the mattress truck. The villains in the beginning, after they rob the boxing arena, they jump off a I don't know fifteen ish story building into a mm-hmm. mattress truck. Not wow. gonna help you save your life. You're still gonna be a stain. <laughs> you know? It's like well and. Uh... How about at the very end of the episode? What kind of asylum would give sharp, pointy objects to an inmate? Right. And not just the sharp, pointy ob- objects. What kind of asylum is going to let them work in a wood shop in general? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay, the scalpel being there, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. But the fact that they're even allowed near woodworking machinery, <laughs> I, I, like even sandpaper. I question them having sandpaper. You give sandpaper to the Joker, he's going to kill someone with it. He'll scrape your face yeah. off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's very questionable. <laughs> but it's Arkham <laughs> Asylum. I mean, for God's sakes, they, they have bigger yeah. problems than that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another one is, um, how many shots did that goon have to fire before he realized he was turning Scarface into Swiss cheese? I, I like to say that uh, the trigger must have locked. <laughs> that, But he clearly <laughs> stopped. He was like... <gasps> Well, at that point, the trigger unlocked. Uh-huh. <laughs> it got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. But while we're speaking about that, that is a totally brutal death. Isn't it, though? I mean, the way the dummy just dances and flails, oh, my Lord. It's, I mean, yeah, they got away with it because it's just a puppet, but that is a very frightening death. Oh, and, and uh, Wesker, Arnold Wesker, the ventriloquist, is just horrified. He clearly lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. By, I mean, he's screaming, he's crying over the dummy. I mean, he just lost his wife, his father, his son. I don't care, his kitten. He lost someone that meant something to him. And it's it's that moment is made all the more powerful by the ventriloquist's re- reaction to it. And it's it just again goes to the great acting on his part. Mm-hmm. He brought so much to that role. It was it Absolutely. was wonderful. I mean, you know, we can rag on the little things like the mattress truck, like you know the the stack of platinum and other things, but the acting, the music, the story. I think it overshadows all those things greatly. I mean, there's there's a. Before they even get into the boat, there's another mistake. If you look, you know how they're uh, splashing acid on the boat to on the mm-hmm. liner to get in there. As soon as the, the 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 hole dissolves and they're climbing into the liner, if you look at the little at the little motorboat, there's already platinum on it. Mm-hmm. So there's like they haven't even climbed in yet, but they've already stolen some somehow. If they just the animation just got all screwed up in that regard, you know. So there's stuff like that. But when you look at the bright side of this episode, it overshadows all of that other stuff. Oh, and there's another. There's it. another little. Yeah, there's another little moment uh, I forgot to mention. Um, when Batman is snooping around their hideout in the bright, in the, like the very middle of the episode, 
and he goes into the into Scarface's room. You know, the you know Scarface's eyes just open up randomly, just you know, out of nowhere. He closes his eyes. Yeah. That is that's just cool. And he's like, he's thinking, oh, maybe this thing is alive. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna close. <laughs> well, because what he does is they open because he touches its nose. He mm-hmm. taps it, which causes it to open. He's taken aback, like, oh, oh, did I just get caught? And then he's like, hmm. And then yeah, he does. He just takes his two fingers and just closes that. <laughs> Uh, that's just a funny, cool little movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of stuff like that in this episode. Yeah, I mean, getting back to the funny lines that we were, you know, that we started out talking about. Uh, I forget the full exchange, but at one point, Scarface yells at one of his goons. It might be at the ventriloquist, and he's like, "Don't put words into my mouth." <laughs> that is such a, the height of dramatic irony. Yeah, it's like that is such a wonderful, to use your word, ironic line. I mean, the the guy who wrote this is a novelist, and after learning that, after learning that a novelist wrote this, I want to go seek out his novels. Because if he's able to capture these characters so well, if he's able to craft mm-hmm. the dialogue and make it fit into Batman's world as, as awesomely as he did, I want to see what he does with his own characters and see how much yep. love and life he breathes into them. Because he did it here with these characters that he doesn't own, that he just had a, that he just spent 30 minutes with, you know, right. he just had, you know, okay. In truth, 22 minutes is, is, is what he was allotted and he did so much with them. So what's he going to do with his own characters? And, right. Yeah. Uh, the guy's name is Joe Lansdale. Oh, okay. He, he's actually, he actually did a few Batman episodes. He did Perchance to dream. Uh, he did showdown and sadly he did critters. Oh, he did Critters as well. He wrote Critters. Yeah, well, I'd also like to say, sadly, he did Perchance to Dream. <laughs> Our final episode today is The Worry Men. In this episode, Veronica Vreeland has returned from an excursion to, I guess, South America or some some jungle in the southern hemisphere. Uh, and she's brought back with her these little, what she calls party favors, basically, but these little dolls uh, that, unbeknownst to her, have microchips inside them. What they're supposed to do is relieve all, all the worries by putting, you know, you put one under your pillow at night and all your worries are supposed to just fly away, never to be seen again. But... Unbeknownst to her, there's a microchip inside them that's taking over uh, their minds as they sleep and making them take huge sums of money out of their trust funds to give to the Mad Hatter, who's this, who is the, behind this just incredibly brilliant scheme. Um, and you know, Bruce slash Batman pieces all the things together and finds out that it's Jervis Tetch, and he goes off to stop them. Now this. This woman, this is the same one from uh, Lake of Feather, right? Uh, Birds of a Feather? Birds of a Feather. That's the episode? Yeah, and that's my first note. Okay, yeah. I, when I was watching this, I knew I recognized her voice, her design, mm-hmm. and the name, but I couldn't put a, I couldn't put her to an episode, you know? I mm-hmm. was thinking she was one of Bruce's ex-girlfriends, and then finally I'm like, oh, no, that's she's from the Penguin episode. And it's like, why would Bruce ever talk to her, let alone joke with her? Uh-huh. That just, you know, no 
uh, semblance of continuity there whatsoever. Yeah, after she and her friend did what they did to the penguin, literally recreated him, gave him a new purpose after he was going to just dedicate his life to law and order, why would he ever, ever associate with her? And no let one joke around with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like no- nothing ever happened. Yeah. It's t- that's terrible. I mean, the only thing you could possibly say is that this happened before the other episode. But but it's been so long. Yeah, it's it doesn't even make sense. I mean, maybe if you actually look at the air dates, you'll find out this one aired first. I don't know. I can't be bothered to look it up. It doesn't yeah. really matter to me because in my mind, it it it's on the DVD. And and production number-wise, it's after the other one. So it happens Mm -hmm. afterwards, so he shouldn't be talking to her. So no matter how you slice it, it just should not be that way. Not to mention that on an episode, I think two episodes after Birds of a Feather, they reference Penguin being in jail Uh from that. So there's no way this this came before. Yeah, we're clearly moving forward here. So, yeah, it's just right off the bat, it doesn't make sense at all. it's, it's, It's... it sucks. It's horrible. That's mm. just you're crapping all over what was another. You know, again, a great episode. Mm. It's not like you know the the the, the last penguin episode we uh, reviewed. Uh, w- w- that was a blind as a bat, right? Yeah. That that one that was a you know a mediocre episode. That kind of you know crapped on the legacy of you know more or less legacy of Birds of a Feather, and this this just flushed it down the toilet. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And then. I thought bringing in LeVar Burton to deliver, like, a handful of lines was really weird. He's brought in as Bruce's friend, who runs a securities company, and, you know, he gets arrested halfway through the episode for embezzlement. And then I think that's the last we hear the character speak. We might see him again at the end, but I don't know if he speaks at the end. But even if he does, the role is so small, I have to wonder why they brought in such a big name at that time. I mean, Star Trek The Next Generation was at its peak in 1993. As, as was, I think, Reading Rainbow, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a huge... I mean, he's a star of Reading Rainbow and an absolutely huge part of TNG. So to use him, someone who has a very distinct voice, you, you'd think they'd give him a bigger role. You almost think they'd make him Lucius Fox. Yeah. But instead, they bring him in for this, like... I don't know, this role where he's got maybe two, two and a half, three minutes of, of voice time throughout the whole thing. I, I don't understand that decision at all. No, it makes absolutely no sense. I know. Uh, they, they could have went with a very generic but good voice actor for that role. They didn't need to bring in a star at all. No, I, I wish I could find some way to explain it, but that kind of goes beyond me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think... Uh, why is it that the Mad Hatter gets such shitty episodes? <laughs> what, what did he ever do to to us? I, I have no idea. I mean, because he really could be a great character on this on this show. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe a, a, a lot of the majority of people disagree with me, but uh, he he really from the first episode, uh, Mad as a Hatter, which I loved, and I've I will never go back on that. Mm-hmm. He. He could have really been a great character, but you know, maybe maybe it was just the end of that episode that has that caused a downward spiral here. 
because I, I, you know, even I admitted that the end of the episode was disappointing. Because mm-hmm. now, was is this his third appearance? Yeah. Because the the last appearance before, okay, the first one I should say was Mad as a Hatter. Yeah. Then there's this one, the Worry Man, and the one in between was Perchance to Dream, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't get why those. Because again, I, I remember if I remember correctly, I did give Mad as a Hatter at least like the first like three quarters of it a pretty decent rating, mm-hmm. but it was it kind of degenerated into just a Batman episode. I think is what I called it. Yeah. Um. So for the most part, that's a good episode. And then for Chance to Dream, you know my feelings about that. I, I wasn't that crazy about it. And this one, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it would seem like it would be easy to write a story, a good story, for the Mad Hatter. I mean, here's a guy that can control your thoughts. He can give you anything you want. But he's sitting here embezzling, or you know, getting these other guys to embezzle money so he can, what, retire? I think is yeah. what he said he wanted to do. Exactly. I just... I just don't get the mentality behind it. It's it's a weak story. I mean, it it, it really could have been almost any other villain. I mean, yeah. it, it was almost like this was almost like a Prophecy of Doom Part Two. Yeah, where they're I mean, just getting all these rich people to get take money out of their companies and and give it away. Granted, one's under mind control and one's under persuasion from a cult leader, but the the theme's the same. It's almost it's seriously like they could have brought Nostromo back. Yeah, and and made it him, and then if the episode sucked, it doesn't matter because who they ruin, no Stromo, not the Mad Hatter. Yeah, and I don't. Does the Mad Hatter even have another episode until Gotham Knights? Off the top of my head, I can't say so, but I don't know. Because uh, the only, the next time I remember him showing up is when uh, Dick Grayson is Nightwing, and he takes over like the the circus, which again I don't remember that being a very good episode either. Hmm. So. I don't know if I'm recalling that one at all. Jeez. I don't. I don't remember the name of it, but I know Nightwing is like the central good guy in it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's real. It's just really disappointing to me. There's there's kind of like an off the cuff Riddler reference, and I thought oh, yeah. that was fun. I forget what the wording is, but Bruce makes a joke to to Alfred, and Alfred says something like, "Is this another one of those Riddler puzzles?" And Batman's like, oh, I wish it was, or no, or something. Yeah, it's just as confusing. Yeah, that, there you go. I mean, that was cool. I mean, just mentioning other villains is a great way to have a very loose continuity. Well, and it, it, they do another Riddler uh, uh, reference when Bruce is or Batman is fighting the uh, the marionettes in in the in Hatter's theater. Yeah, you're right. There was a Harley Quinn one. I think there was a Joker box. There's a penguin. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the background throughout the whole thing, there's like uh, clay statues of Clayface, Two-Face, uh, Mr. Mr. Freeze. Freeze, the Joker. They're all there as mannequins or clay statues just hanging around in the background. And uh, Yeah, and as Batman is fighting each one of them, Hatter basically basically turns into them. He go, Like when he's fighting the Riddler, uh, or trying to avoid the Riddler marionette, he, he goes... Why? Uh, how are Batman and a donut shop alike? They're both oh. full of holes. So he was basically he was becoming the Riddler there, and then uh, I don't remember what he said before the Harley Quinn one came up, but I know he I know he basically just like became the Riddler there for a second, which that, I thought was kind of that was kind of nifty. That's a good catch. I I totally overlooked that. That's pretty neat. Yeah, but that begs the question: Why do those things even exist? You know, it's. 
it, it was sort of like, remember, in Christmas with the Joker, I believe I questioned where the Joker found the time to turn the, the, the telescope into a cannon, where he got those Joker mannequin machine gun things, you know what I mean? And how he turned the tree into a rocket. Right, it's like, you know, there's certain things when it comes to the Joker you can kind of set aside, because there's Joker logic, you know? Mm -hmm. But there's certain things you can't. Again, how did he turn a telescope into a cannon in a matter of hours? That just doesn't make sense. And it's the same thing here. When exactly did the Mad Hatter have the time or the forethought to, to build... Now, don't worry, I'm not even talking about the, the mannequins in the background that never move, because this is a theater company he's in, so those being there make sense. But these giant props of the Joker, the Riddler, the Penguin, and, and Harley that are, are all very deadly, that just happen to be there, I can't buy that one. Well, when was the last time we saw Hatter? Because, you know, we can you could make the excuse that, you know, he, it's been a while since we've seen him. Uh, Batman makes reference, or makes a note, uh, uh, mention of the fact that the theater had been closed for years. Uh, I don't know. There, I think I can buy it. You but, think in uh, the meantime he's he's built these things for the next time he met Batman? Well, you got to figure if if he gets he starts doing this shit again, that Batman's going to get involved. And then when he when he does, he's he he gets pissed off, but then he's like, oh well, you know, I'll deal with him. I could buy that. If the whole theme of this episode wasn't the Riddler, or the Riddler, the Mad Hatter needing money to retire, because he obviously had enough money to make those things, so then why didn't he just use the money that he spent on making those to retire? Yeah. I mean, if the the internal logic just doesn't work for me. If this episode was about something else, getting revenge on Batman again, then fine, hey, I get it. Then then I could say, sure, whatever money he had laying around, he built those things, you know, used to build those things. But I just, I just. No, I just can't use it here when the whole theme of this is him just needing money. Yeah. I guess I can understand that. Yeah. Um, while we're on the subject of Hatter in the theater, shouldn't uh, Hatter jumping on top of his hat have shorted out those cards or whatever that was <laughs> controlling everybody in the city and his goons uh, right uh, then and there? Again, the internal logic just not working. <laughs> you know, the second he crushes his hat, right, all those guys... Their little should chip be, should have been fritzed out all over the city. Where where are we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it just it just doesn't make sense from top to bottom. Yeah, you know when when a when a when a show or an episode defies the rules that it's set up without at least explaining how it because you can defy your own rules as long as you justify defying the rules. But if you're not going to do that, then people are going to call shenanigans, and that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Though you know what. I really do want a Batman Worry Man. That little, that little Worry Man at the end, uh, the Batman one. I, I don't know. That's cool. If, you know, that was kind of neat, wasn't it? Yeah, if there's anybody out there that's good at, you know, woodworking and can make a little Batman Worry Man and wouldn't mind sending it my way, you know, I wouldn't uh, turn the gift down. Because <laughs> it is kind of neat. You know, that'd be, that'd be cool to just throw on your shelf or something. <laughs> so do you want to, are we done with this one? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so his silicon soul. I'll give it an above average grade of six. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a six as well. And fire from Olympus. Yeah, like you said, this one was tough to grade. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. I'm gonna be really generous with this one and give it a six. I know I ragged on it <laughs> as we both did. Yeah, but uh, you know it, it had some positives. It really did, and. 
it's I don't think it's as bad. I don't know. Like you said, you were having, we were both really torn on how to grade this one because we were really confused by it. Right. Yeah, so I'm going to give this one a six for now, but I could easily give this one a five if I wanted to. But yeah, six is good, I think. So read my lips. Oh, what a great episode. I'll give it an 8.5. This one gets a nine from me. And then the worry man. Uh, uh, three. Four. Hold it! This is getting old, Bats. Last chance, who's the traitor? Him, the ventriloquist. No, no, he's lying! I told you when he came into my room! So what? Maybe you did because I had you cornered. Heard you talking to Batman. Shut up, you blockhead! What did you say? It wasn't me. I didn't say that. My lips didn't move. So what? You're a ventriloquist. You're also a lying, yellow, liver belly, two-faced. No, Scarface, not me. I'm loyal. I'd never... He's been feeding me information in return for legal protection. You're going up the river, sawdust for brains. Why, I ought to waste the four-flusher. Go on, I gave an order. Ice them. Do it. Do it now. But, boss, we ventilate the ventriloquist. You know. I'm surrounded by traitors. Okay, fine. You want some right? Do it yourself. (laughs) Spare me, Scarface, please. I've been loyal to you. Go ahead, plead, beg. It ain't gonna do you no good. You lunch meat, you lousy no I'm hit, boys. Get them. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, yeah. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Mm-hmm.